Go to thekennedyreport.com and visit the TKR store to see our new products. Visit thekennedyreport.com and check out the TKR store. The links for this are in the description. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. There is an alleged private revelation going around the internet with some pretty striking claims saying that Pope Benedict appeared to a Colombian nun and then explained to her, Pope Benedict that is, from heaven apparently, uh, some pretty striking things about Pope Francis. Is it true? Is it not true? We're going to dive into it. I have seen this shared a lot, so I thought since it's making the rounds, we may as well jump on it and we can get to the bottom of whether or not this thing is true. So this is an alleged apparition that was apparently to a Colombian nun who has remained anonymous. Uh, apparently it happened in February. There's so much to it. It's really, really long, which quite frankly is sort of an alarm bell. Um, I'm not going to go through the first part of it. If I'm being honest, the first part of it is is sort of run of the mill. I don't mean that. In a, I don't mean to be insulting, but it's sort of run of the mill uh, spiritual niceties, kind of the sort of stuff you'd expect to find if somebody was visited in a heavenly way. So I'm going to get to the part here, which I think is pretty juicy, and this is uh, a very telling part, if I'm being honest. Okay, so this is Pope Benedict speaking. And he said, my life in prison, which had lasted almost 10 years, was coming to an end. God was in a hurry with me. Even if I had wanted to speak clearly, I could not have, could not have done it. They wouldn't even have believed me. They would have twisted my words. I had no one around me to trust. It was a very stressful situation, so God enlightened me so that I could somehow communicate through codes and parables through the books, hoping that at least someone would understand the way I spoke. Quite frankly, this to me seems like complete nonsense. Many people would have believed Pope Benedict. In fact, many people were just waiting for Pope Benedict to just say something that was clear. But he very rarely ever did. Many people were still holding out hope that Pope Benedict was still the Pope because they believed he was sort of the savior of the church. I'm sure they would have really liked Pope Benedict to just say something. Um, also, it is a little bit dubious that, obviously, if Pope Benedict is in heaven, according to this apparition, he would be a saint. You know, Christ is very clear that let your yes mean yes and your own no mean no, writing in a sort of secretive way in order to get secret messages out to the public is a little bit strange. I know in certain situations, maybe it's prudent at a time of war and you're communicating. I get that. But as the Pope, just tell the truth. Um... That seems a little bit strange to me. This stuff comes off to me sort of like Pope Benedict fan fiction. I know there are a lot of people who held Pope Benedict in very high esteem, and I'm not here to criticize the Pope. I'm not here to criticize Pope Benedict after he dies. You know, don't speak ill of the dead, so to speak, if you can help it. Nonetheless, um, there were a lot of people who thought Pope Benedict was like the savior of the church, the last Pope there will ever be. Very eschatological, very end timesy. Pope Benedict was the restrainer, the catacomb. We've heard these terms. And they sort of want to lionize him as this pope who would save the church and was sort of the hero that was silenced. You know, there are a lot of people who even believe that Pope Benedict was murdered because, of course, 95 year old men don't die by natural causes very often. You see how strange that is. In any case, let's continue. On the occasion of my 95th birthday, Francis came to visit me, brought a bottle of wine with caramel paste, caramel paste, 
and asked if he could be alone with me. Maybe caramel paste is some sort of dessert that's common. I don't know. I never thought his I never thought his cynicism and capacity for evil were so outspoken. Again, I saw his hatred of me, of the church, and above all, of boundless hatred of the mother of God. I had always considered myself a peaceful and diplomatic person. What could I do? Only suffering in silence, in great solicitude, solitude. For at the end of my life, I found myself in perfect agreement with the suffering Christ, who had also been abandoned by all divine help. I'm going to pause there. This belief about this requires this belief that Pope Benedict was basically a prisoner of the Vatican. So, the last 10 years of Pope Benedict's life, people said a lot of crazy things. I remember, maybe five or six years ago, Pope Benedict was looking pretty unhealthy. He was looking pretty gaunt. He was looking pretty, you know, his eyes were glassy and stuff. And everyone was convinced, not everyone, many people were convinced that Pope Benedict had been drugged. They were convinced that there's no way that the Pope would act like this. There's no way he would really resign. He must have been threatened or drugged, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A couple things we need to say here. We need to take a little bit of a red pill on Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict was very much a theological liberal and one of the greatest proponents of the Second Vatican Council. And yes, it seems like later in life he realized there were lots of errors that were sort of promulgated as a result of the spirit of the council. Uh, but nonetheless, he was not this impeccable hero and heroic theologian of the church, like the way some people want him to be portrayed as. He had many faults, as I do, and we all have faults. I'm just We're just commenting on a public thing here. Um, but he resigned. He just resigned because he resigned. I mean, it was astonishing. It was shocking. Uh, but he just simply resigned. And I'm sure he felt pressure, but there have been many popes in the past who have felt pressure. I mean, they... They tried to assassinate Pope Pius IX. Read about that story, for example. And that was because of Freemasonic infiltration into the Curia. There have been many situations in the past where cardinals and so forth hate the Pope. The politics of Rome can be very severe. They didn't resign. Pope Benedict just caved into the pressure. It's just a historical fact. But I think people want to portray it as he was the greatest saint of our time and uh, all of this must be part of some supernatural victimhood that makes him like Christ. I just don't think it's true. In addition, um, the way that he's speaking here, to me, seems a little bit fishy. Um, this idea of only suffering in silence and great solitude. With all due respect, he wrote a lot of books after he resigned. He wasn't really in silence. He was just speaking by writing. Also, if I go back to this, this reality about his health, I'll tell a personal story here, but... You know, Benedict was 85, roughly 85, when he resigned. That's not young. That's very old, actually. You know, the Bible says we get 70 years, 80 if we're strong. After 70, we're on borrowed time. That's the scriptural truth, even with modern medical advancements, you know. And my no, no, God rest his soul. I think he was almost, I think he was 88 or so when he died, I believe. Anyway, um, I remember it was about, five years before he died. about He was about early 80s. He was actually very sickly. He looked very gaunt, glassy eyes, you know. He had some problem with his blood. I can't remember what it was. And we were actually worried that, that he was going to die. 
um, it seemed it seemed pretty clear that the end was near. And I remember this specifically because this was this was around my wedding, and he heroically came to my wedding, and was the life of the party as he always was. He was singing songs, and he was a beautiful Italian operatic tenor, and his and he had a very natural voice. And but he was really hurting. He looked almost green. You know, there was a lot of color out of his face. Anyway, they figured out his medication, and guess what? For the next five years, he was like in perfect health. And it was really only within six months of dying that he just sort of really had a steep decline. I, I tell this story because Pope Benedict was 85 when he resigned. 85 years old. It's not necessary to make up some elaborate plot like they drugged him or they murdered him or something like that. He was 85 when he resigned and he was in resignation for 10 years. Do you know how many health ups and downs someone who is 85 will have between the age of 85 and 95? One month to the next is a near-death experience in some cases. I think that there is this desire to exalt Pope Benedict to the level of inexplicable sanctity and really just sort of explain away reality. She continues... Uh, I understood. My office as Christ's vicar required a great purification. Much had been entrusted to me, and soon I would have to answer to, to God for all my administration. I had to answer not only for my soul as a baptized Christian, but for the whole church. What a great responsibility. What a heavy cross I had to bear as Pope. From that moment on, everything was clear to me, and this realization made me doubly uncomfortable. And there, here he is continuing with Pope, uh, well, Pope Francis's. uh, Words, under the seal of confessional and in his usual flattering attitude of false brotherhood, Bergoglio, or rather Francis, told me in a mocking tone and in his very cynical and ruthless way that he liked to have the church in his hands, that he would completely destroy her and bury the Eucharist forever. He said, I will wipe your God off the face of the earth. I have many allies to help me, not only from within, but also from without. The Curia kneels at my feet in the College of Cardinals. They are faithful dogs, as you know. You can't deny that they are faithful, that they obey, and he smiled mischievously. I brought them here for you, and in case you don't know, I'll confirm it for you. Consider it a favor on my part. I'm not as bad as they say, he smiled again, this time icy. As an author, this is not natural dialogue. People just don't speak like this. This is contrived. I don't need to find out if this nun actually had an apparition. I don't need to find out whatever. I just know that this is not how people speak. This is written, again, like sort of B-level, you know, drugstore novel fan fiction. This is not natural. This is not how people speak. Of course, people have no problem believing that Pope Francis may not be the nicest person in the world and and perhaps he would talk to Pope Benedict in a mean way. But this is not how people speak. This is completely contrived. Continuing. His gaze frightened me, and having him in front of me was like seeing Satan. He confessed to me that one of his goals was to throw mud at the Mother of God, to eradicate dogma if possible, and to trample on the Eucharist. He told me that he would eradicate the extraordinary rite in one fell swoop, leaving only the current rite with its many prophecies and sacrileges. This is a problem. 
because there are other rights of the church as well. There are like, you know, a dozen, whatever, whatever the number is, 20 different liturgies that are not Latin rites. So that doesn't even really work. Eventually, the new rite was worked out by a Freemason who was an expert in liturgy, and he confessed to me that he felt joy when he went to the Tepeyac, it's in Mexico, and insulted the Queen of Heaven face to face. He talked about Mexico, and then he took great pleasure in the pantomime he performed with the supposed devotion of Russia, I guess he's talking about the consecration, and the world of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. He said to me, coming even closer and with irony, do you want to know what, who I have invoked for the beloved image of Our Lady of Fatima? I replied to him that it was not necessary. He told me he would tell me anyway because he knew it would hurt me. I have called upon the king of darkness, you understand. I stayed in complete silence. Then I said, "Then he said, Oh, grandfather, I admit that a lot of fun, that I had a lot of fun, but it's time to end the farce. The Catholics are ignorant and mindless, and it is good that they should continue like this, obedient and submissive to everything that is said to them. And he smiled again. Um, okay. Another layer to this story. Apparently, Pope Francis told Pope Benedict that he didn't actually consecrate the world and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which, whether you believe it was done the way Our Lady of Fatima asked, objectively speaking, he did perform a consecration of, of Russia, Ukraine, and the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Those words were said by the Pope, and it was it was done. Whether you Again, whether you think it was the right one or not is not the point. It's a historical fact that something like that did take place. So what he's alleging here is that interiorly, when Pope Francis said the words of consecrating Russia and the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, what he's really saying is that he consecrated the world to Satan. There are massive problems here with how we understand sacramental theology. I'll explain what I mean. It is not debatable when we look in the great spiritual authors that, or great theological authors, even if, um, even if a um, priest was to go to say mass and inside, while he was saying, you know, this is my body, he was muttering in his own mind, you know, this is not my body or something like that. The church still believes that that would be a valid consecration, generally speaking. And the reason is, is because exteriorly, it's clear that he's intending to do what the church intends to do, which is to consecrate the, the Eucharist. Also, um, it's almost, it's very difficult to say something different interiorly. I don't know if you can really. I'm trying to think right now. I'm speaking to this camera. Could I be saying something different in my head while I'm speaking out loud? I don't think I could. Maybe, maybe you can, but I don't think you can. Uh, so Pope Francis, again, whatever you believe about the effects of the consecration, he said, you know, the words of, he actually said in modo particulare, uh, Russia and Ukraine, consecrating the Immaculate Heart of Mary. He just simply said those things. A, a consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary was done. In addition... The purpose of the consecration of Russia, of any consecration, is a matter of faith. It's not a superstitious thing. It's not a matter of, uh, it's not a magic trick. 
It's a matter of faith. Um, so it's not a sacrament, it's a sacramental. So for example, I have this, you know, a scapular underneath my shirt here. Um, some people, for example, will not take their scapulars off when they go in the shower in case they slip and, um, you know, they slip and they break their neck and die. That's superstitious. Now, I'm not saying that somebody decides to not take it off. This isn't manifesting their great devotion to Our Lady. That could be. But I'm just saying it's not a talisman. It's, it's a matter of faith. You make the promises of the scapular. You wear the scapular as a reminder. You see the scapular. And it makes you think of Our Lady. And it's a manifestation externally by something you wear of a devotion to Mary that you hold inside. It's not a magic trick. It's not a talisman or a ra ra lucky rabbit's foot. Um, it is a sacramental. I'm sure the thing itself, like all blessed objects, could have some sort of, you know, spiritual power. If you were to throw a, a blessed scapular in front of a Satanist or something, maybe they would start to, you know, steam would come out of their ears. I don't know. Um, but it's not something that is just simply... Um, Again, like, you know, some sort of magical element or something like that. Uh, the scapular doesn't do anything if you don't follow the promises. If you're just simply wearing a scapular around and, you know, you happen to be Catholic by culture and it's like wearing a crucifix, you never pray the rosary, you blaspheme Our Lady, etc. You're not going to die with your sacraments. I mean, except for extraordinary circumstances because you don't have the faith and the faith is necessary for the promise. Anyway, my point being, with the consecration of Russia, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Russia and Ukraine... I think this person writing this fan fiction is what it is, is not even really understanding what a consecration is. Because the consecration was for the world, meaning for the faithful of the church to unite themselves in prayer. Um, so the reason why the Pope would say the words publicly about the consecration is so that the people of the world would follow the message of Our Lady of Fatima, which includes going to the first Saturdays, praying the rosary every day, praying for peace, and so on and so forth. Which, by the actions of the Pope, they would do, because how would they know he was, you know, saying inside that it was the kingdom kingdom of darkness or whatever. So, many, many problems there. Apparently, then he goes on to say, um, I said to myself, he is the destroyer of the church, and it is clear that he was under the influence of Satan. Then my thoughts flew to Fatima, and tears came to my eyes. I was sure that my days were numbered, and that the curtain of my life would fall soon. And here is the part where we're going to get into this narrative that Pope Benedict was murdered. Which I think is crazy because, again, he was 95 years old. Anyway. The person responsible for shortening those days was my jailer, my seemingly loyal secretary, Ganschwein. This task had been entrusted to him, and he had to fulfill it without leaving the slightest suspicion of murder. The day before my death, my secretary received a phone call. It was Francis, and he said this phrase, it's time, okay? And he hung up, and I heard it because he was near me, and I thought he thought I was asleep. Okay. This is clearly fake. Like, this is really, really fake. <sighs> anyway. I waited patiently for my end. I did not resist my executioner. What else could I have said or done since I was completely isolated and guarded 24 hours a day? That's not true. People came to visit him all the time. 
since they were really in charge within the Vatican, and they, who are now in the majority thanks to Francis, manipulated information and published a truth that was modified and generously paid by the Vatican itself. Okay, I'm going to stop here. It's going to stop here. This is fake, people. Um, you probably knew that. But anyway, a lot of people believe this stuff. Listen, I think Pope Francis is a terrible pope. He's probably like the worst pope in the history of the church. That's just an objective fact. Uh, but this is not real. So stay, uh, keep your, keep, stay on your toes when these things come out. A lot of people are spreading things like this around and a lot of people believe it. Um, and it's just not true. And you don't have to be some sort of mystic. You just have to know a little bit about history for one and writing styles. And it's clear that this is not natural. This is contrived dialogue by someone who does not have good writing skills, and it's not the way that people speak. So, this has been The Kennedy Report. Until next time, God bless. Go to thekennedyreport.com and visit the TKR store to see our new products, Kennedy's Choice Beard Oil. You can use this on your beard to help with alleviating itchiness, dryness, and irritation of skin. And don't worry, no animals were used in testing this product except for myself. Use Kennedy's Choice Beard Balm for a softer, healthier, manageable beard that is made with natural ingredients. And trust me, I know a thing or two about beards. Visit thekennedyreport.com and check out the TKR store. The links for this are in the description.